You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1st time I heard that song. Joel Nelson. He sang that song in the Philippines after I had finished preaching a gospel message. And it brought tears to my eyes. Then it brings tears to my eyes now. As he was singing that song, I watched as the aisles filled up, the altar filled up, tears flowing out of people's eyes as they were accepting that grace. The good news of the gospel is all about grace. For by grace. Thank God for his forgiveness. Were it not for grace. So thankful we don't have to be paralyzed by our past. We don't have to let our past rob us of our joy or our service for Christ. But we have to get over our past. Many times you'll hear me say things like, just get over it. And I say that in a a joking way. But I'm not joking here today. Get over it. And it's only because of the grace of God that we can. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. Apostle Paul confessed, he said, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted. That was his past. I'm thankful Paul got over his past. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray you'd fill this preacher with your spirit. As we think about this amazing grace, how could we ever preach, teach, and do justice to the subject? But Lord, if you would just so use your word today to speak into people's hearts, And change us by your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible now and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
Paul's now go, going to go into a little more, bit more detail concerning his testimony about the grace of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to pick up with verse 11. According to the glorious gospel, the gospel is a glorious message. And the message is a message of pardon, a message of forgiveness, a message of reconciliation and restoring fallen man into a relationship with a holy God. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, listen to his past. Who was before a what? Blasphemer. He blasphemed the name of Christ. I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. I did great injury to the cause of Christ and to believers. But I obtained mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. It's because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. He goes on to say, and the grace, the mercy, now the grace, and the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm at the top of the list. I'm at the bottom of the list when it comes to being an apostle. But when it comes to being the chief of sinners, I was at the top. How be it? For this cause I obtain mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Notice that everlasting life. Now unto the king, King Jesus, immortal, eternal, immortal, invisible. Our Jesus is the only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen, amen to that. Getting past your past. Well, how do you get past your past? The first step is getting saved. Is getting saved. The Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth us, it controls us, it motivates us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Before our salvation, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, and we were condemned to a Christless eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. That's the truth. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That's how most of us are living. Just living for ourselves. But we should live for him who died for us. And who rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh... Yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, listen, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? 
a new creature. Old things get past your past. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become what? Become new. If you are going to get past your past, the first thing you have to do is accept the salvation that is in the Lord Jesus. The Bible says he hath quickened us together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. That's getting over your past. The Bible said as far as the east is from the west, so far, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. So the very first step that you need to make in your personal life, if you're going to get over the sin and the failure and the mistakes of the past, is to trust Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and have the slate wiped clean. Now many of you today are nodding your head and you're looking up here saying, yeah, that's right, I've been saved. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I experienced that wiping of the sake clean through his shed blood. But what about after salvation? What about after salvation? Well, after salvation, and Bill hit it so well today in Sunday school class, there has to be confession and there has to be repentance of sin. Do you know all God has to work with is sinners just like you and me? But if we're going to get over our past, we have to come to a place of brokenness before the Lord over our sin and our failures. Psalm 51. It was just amazing as Bill was teaching this morning. He kept hitting the themes that I'm going to be preaching on here. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Help me get over my past. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in my inward parts. In the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. And blowed out all my iniquities. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore. Oh, help me get over my past. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, then... Will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. If we as believers are going to get over our past, we have to deal with sin. We have to deal with that sin that we have been 
covering up, that sin that we have been justifying, that sin that in many times we've even denied or blamed others for. We have to get over our past. As most of you know, I was raised in a pastor's home, raised in church, and we had a song in our hymnal. I haven't seen the song for many, many years. So I wondered if I could find that song, and I found it. And the name of the song, some of you may have, may have heard this song. It's, the title of it is Wasted Years. Here's just the chorus. Wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. As you walk on in darkness and fear, and I love this, turn around. Turn around, God is calling. He's calling you from a life of wasted years. Malachi said, even from the days of your father, ye are gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. I want to tell you something. That's mercy and that's grace at its best. I don't know if you're like me. I would venture to say that you are but as I look back over my past I have a lot of regrets I regret in many ways how I have lived my life I regret many of the decisions that I have made in my life as I look back at my past I have a lot of guilt and a lot of sorrow. Made a, lot of, made a lot of mistakes I wish I never would have made. Regret over our past can take many forms. I want you to think about maybe some of the things you regret right now about your past. Maybe you regret the way you treated your parents when you were a teenager. Perhaps you regret becoming immoral as a young person and how that played out in your life. Perhaps you regret making poor choices and choosing wrong friends and the negative influence that they've had upon your life. Perhaps you regret committing a crime for which there has been some real consequences. Maybe you regret marrying the person that you married. How much happier my life would have been if I would have just, if I would have just married someone else. Maybe you regret getting a divorce. Broken relationships that then followed that divorce. Maybe you regret making mistakes in raising your kids. 
Maybe you regret a poor choice in your career. Maybe you've missed some good business opportunities or maybe you got wrapped up in a bad business deal. Maybe some of your investments have gone bad. Perhaps you started out just smoking because you're experiencing peer pressure from others to do so. And now you're dealing with that addiction. Maybe you regret that first drink that you took and where that's taken you. Maybe you're trapped in drug addiction. There's no one that I know of or have heard of that's trapped in a drug addiction that's happy they're there. They regret ever getting started. Perhaps you have some regret over your backslidings. Maybe you regret not answering God's call to the ministry when you knew what he wanted you to do with your life. You fill in the blank. How many can write a few things in that blank? Sorrow over how we've lived our life in the past and the wrong decisions that we have made. It can be healthy to a certain degree. You've heard me say this many times. You know why we feel guilty? Because we probably are. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith... It saith to them that are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. God has put a sense of guilt in every one of us over our sin and over our failures and the many mistakes that we have made in life. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So I guess in, in one way I'm saying we should feel bad. We should experience some sorrow and some guilt over the way that we've lived our life in the past. If it's been lived in such a way that was not pleasing to our Lord. Paul says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. You can't get rid of your conscience. When you do wrong and you sin and you fail and you make these mistakes in life, our conscience should operate. This guilt and this sorrow over our past, it can be healthy if it produces repentance. If it produces forgiveness and then creates a passion in our hearts to want to serve the Lord. There's some things that I'm ashamed of in my past. But you know what? I've allowed that shame and that sorrow and that guilt to produce in me a true repentance toward the Lord. 
And one thing I found is when I really repent before the Lord, all of a sudden I now have a passion to do just the opposite of what I did before. Maybe that's why I'm so passionate about this book. You need to turn here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Turn there. I'll wait for you. I really want you to see this passage of scripture. It's one that we really seldom refer to, but it's powerful. As we talk about getting over our past through repentance. By simply bringing our sin before the Lord and confessing it. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. It's quiet in here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, pick up with verse 8. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I believe he's referring to 1 Corinthians. A letter of rebuke. He said, I do not repent, though I did repent. As he was under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he was writing this first epistle to them, which was rebuke after rebuke after rebuke, correction after correction after correction. And in his heart, he he felt bad that he was rebuking them so strongly. But he knew he was speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, and he needed to obey. You know, when I stand before you and I preach the word, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Some people think that's my gift. I don't want you to feel bad, but I'm telling you, I do have to preach what God puts on my heart to preach. Whether it makes you feel bad or not. So Paul just being obedient, he says, For I perceived that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now rejoice not that you were made uh, sorry, but that you sorrowed unto what? He said, I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy that when I wrote you this letter of correction, you corrected yourself. You made the changes that were necessary. He said, for, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but watch this, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You know what the sorrow of the world is? They're sorry they got caught. There's lots of guys up there in Jackson that are sorry they're in prison. But they're not sorry over their sin. They're sorry that they got caught. It's a big difference. Now notice what he says here. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. Now watch this. What carefulness. What carefulness it wrought in you. What clearing of yourselves, the clearing of the conscience. Yea, what indignation, hatred for the things you once used to love. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. I counted seven things there. That when you really get over your past through confession and repentance of your sin and you embrace the mercy and grace of God for that forgiveness, it produces a passion in your heart for the things of the Lord. The reason that we do not have the passion that we need for our Lord is because we're still in the past. 
You gotta put the past in the past. You gotta bury it through confession and repentance of sin and then move forward. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. So sorrow and guilt, shame, or the way we've lived our lives in the past can be a good thing if it produces repentance, which then will produce that vehement desire for the things of the Lord. But we're all familiar with this passage of Scripture, or we should be. Verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, Paul said, that is Christ's likeness. Boy, we're a long ways away from apprehending that, aren't we? But that should be our pursuit. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are what? I have to get over my past. Forgetting those things which are behind, and then reaching forth to the things which are before. If you do not get over your past, you'll never be able to move forward and accomplish that which God would have you to accomplish in your life. Verse 14, I press. I was able by the grace of God to get over my past, and now I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If we do not handle our regret, our sorrow, our guilt in the way that God would have us to handle it, it can literally become destructive and dehabilitating. Remember, Satan, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He loves to dig up our past. There's things in my past that I am so ashamed of, I would never want you to know what I did. And you know what I'm going to tell you right now? No one's ever going to know what I did because I brought it to the Lord and it is under the blood and it is forgiven. It is gone. Hallelujah. But Satan, that old accuser of the brethren, the listen, the last thing that he wants you to do is embrace the grace of God. Accept the mercy of God. Believe in the forgiveness of God. Because he knows that if he can keep you down, if he can keep you in a place where you are just wallowing in shame and self-pity, then he can keep you from moving forward and accomplishing what God would have you to accomplish in your life. Reaching forth to the things which are before. Putting the past in the past and reaching out to accomplish God's will for my life in the present as well as in the future. Listen to what David said. Psalm 31 and 32, he said, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. How many of you have ever been in trouble because of your sin and mistakes in the past? David said, Man, I am in, I am in such trouble. You know why he was in trouble? Because he committed adultery with a woman. That woman became pregnant with his child. He then had her husband murdered. Let me tell you something. He's in trouble with God. 
Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief. I'm consumed with it. I'm just, I'm taken over with my sin of the past. My soul and my belly is just full of grief. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. So you know what this tells me? This tells me that David went on for years dealing with all the grief and the sorrow and the conviction of his sin in the past. Because of his sin and his iniquity, he said, my strength has failed. My bones have been consumed. I have become a reproach to my enemies. Especially my neighbors and my acquaintances. When they saw me, they fled from me. I am forgotten like a dead man. I am a broken vessel. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like a man who's having a really hard time getting over his past? Are you still with me? But it goes on. But. I love the buts of scripture. But I trusted in thee, O Lord, and I said, thou art my God. My times are in thy hands. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. In chapter 32, he said, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile or deceit, no cover-up. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through their roaring all the day long, for day and night that thy hand was heavy upon me. It's under tremendous conviction my moisture, my vitality is turned into the draught of summer, Selah. Remember coming across the Selahs? You know what that is? That's like an exclamation point. Day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. I lost my vitality. I lost my energy. I lost my desire to move forward exclamation but I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid I will confess my transgression unto the Lord I love it and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin and he says Selah again Selah it was bad. But Selah, God forgave me. Amen. Satan desires that our sin and our failures and our mistakes will poison our present. And I'm going to tell you, if you do not embrace the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, it'll poison your present. Amen. It'll hold you back from accomplishing God's will for your life. You, you know these verses. I, these, these two passages that I quoted last week, 
a just man falleth seven times, but what? He riseth up again. Good men, good women, we fall. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Though he fall, even good men fall. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that my God is there, that when I do stumble and fall, I don't have to waller in it. I can get up and I can embrace his forgiveness by his grace and I can get going again. Can I tell you something? Some of you got to get going again. You're living in the failures of your past. And I'm telling you, it's time to bury him this morning. But he giveth more grace. Were it not for grace? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil. I'm not listening to you. Blah, 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 blah. I'm this, you old accuser of the brethren, my sin has been forgiven by the grace of God. Get thee behind me. You're not going to drag me back into my past. That old man is dead. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not going there anymore. He buried it. Why in the world are we digging it back up? Draw nigh unto God. He'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Weep over your sin, yes. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, yes. And your joy to heaviness, yes. But humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And here comes His grace. He will do what? He will lift you up. If regret is not handled appropriately, we will give up on our service to Christ and Satan will have won. I'm not going to let him win in my life. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to let him win. So regret is unhealthy if it leads us to an attitude of Hopelessness. What difference does it make? I've already messed up my life. I've already destroyed God's plan and purpose that he had for me. I, I, I can only settle for second best now. I might as well just go ahead and live the way I want. Might as well just go ahead and indulge in sin. Why follow God? Why try to keep his commandments? The good life that God had planned for me is lost forever. No, it's not. Cast down those imaginations. If you don't cast down those imaginations, Satan will get a stronghold in your life and he'll keep you from moving forward. Remember 1 John 1, 9? If we, let's say it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. Hallelujah. I've shared this with you before, but I will never forget in that flight from Japan to Manila, there's a fellow sitting in the aisle, then I was sitting, and then Joel Nelson was sitting. I hate the middle seat. But God had me in the middle seat. He was in the aisle. I wanted to know what we were doing. I told him what we were doing and started to share the gospel with this man. And all of a sudden, he just opened up, and he just began to spill it all out of his past and his sin Actually, this is how I felt, that I was sitting by the greatest sinner that I had ever sat by. It was unbelievable. And I remember him looking at me and saying, can God forgive me of all this? And I took him to 1 John 1, 9. And there on the plane, 30,000 feet up in the air, he asked Christ to be his Lord and Savior. He looks over at me. It brought me back to my salvation experience. He looked over at me. He goes, I feel so good. He said, it's like I'm clean on the inside. I'm so thankful 1 John 1 9 is still in the Bible. When we're experiencing all these regrets and guilt and sorrow, and we don't respond to it in the way that God would have us to, just kind of waller in it and give up. Some people try to do some. I want to talk to you about this. We'll be five after here. Some people try to undo the consequences of their sin. My dad used to always say this. He said, Danny, it's never right to do wrong to do right. Let's give you a couple examples of this. Here's a man or a woman that has decided, I married the wrong person. Is it possible to marry outside the will of God? Yes or no? Yeah, I know a lot of people that I really believe married the wrong person. But when you said I do, you done did. They said, you know, I married the wrong person, so... You know what? I'm going to get a divorce. I'm going to try to undo the consequences of my bad decision. So I'm going to go ahead and get a divorce. And then they leave behind shattered lives. It's very interesting that the next person that they marry, they find out, well, I guess they weren't the right one either. And the cycle continues. How about this one? Here's a young couple. Instead of putting the parameters around them that they needed to. 
They have a sexual relationship. A couple months later, the young lady comes to her boyfriend. She says, "Um, I'm pregnant. To which he says, you know, we need to rectify this. And so they go into the abortion clinic. And they have an abortion. Which creates another whole set of guilt and regret. You know, as I'm looking out here in our fellowship, we have ladies here today who have had an abortion. Thank God for his grace. Amen. Amen. We don't have to live in shame, guilt, and sorrow. All we need to do is go to the Lord. And he will forgive us of all of our transgressions. Stop digging up the past. Regret over our past can also cause a real apathy to set into our hearts if we're not careful. So just an unwillingness to seek God's blessing in our marriage, our family, our job, and even our ministry. Why should I seek God's best in my marriage when I married out of the will of God? Why not just get a divorce? Why should I honor God in my career, seeing as though I know I chose the wrong career? Why even try to get back on track when I've gotten so far off? How can I ever ask God to bless me when I'm so far removed from his will for my life? These are some of the things I've heard in the counseling room. You know what my answer to that is? Grace. It's good news. Jesus said, I have come to give you an abundant life. He said, I have come to give you fullness of joy. He didn't say, I've come only to those who are perfect and good and have never made a mistake and have never messed up. I come to those offering an abundant life. I come only to those offering fullness of joy. No. He offers an abundant life. He offers fullness of joy to every one of us, no matter how bad we have messed up in the past, if we will embrace the grace and the forgiveness of God, he once again will give us that abundant life. Yes, thank you, Jesus. So how do we get over our past? I'll say a couple things and I'm done. 
Now, sometimes it takes me a long time to say a couple things. But I think God's word has a prescription for us on how to get over our past and all those guilty feelings. Correct your theology. Let me ask you a question. Does God have a perfect plan for your life? Is that true or false? Can't hear. Is that true or false? As long as you're walking in obedience to the Lord and you're seeking Him in your life and you're living a life of obedience, will you enjoy God's best? It's true. But if at some point you mess up really bad, you commit a really serious sin, you make a real foolish decision and you walk away from God's plan and purpose for your life, will you ever be able to enjoy his blessing upon your life in the future? The answer is yes. That's why I'm saying you better correct your theology. The second recommendation I have to you is Just look at some of the examples of Scripture. You know what? I could not find one person in Scripture other than Jesus. I've heard some say Joseph. But even Joseph had some mess-ups. He had a little prideful spirit and the way he related his dreams and the coat of many colors. And so, although a whole lot isn't said about Joseph, he still had his issues. But besides the Lord Jesus, I could not find a person in the scripture that didn't mess up big time. And the Lord used him anyway. Acts chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 15 is the story of John Mark. Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey. They take this young man by the name of John Mark with them. Things got a little rough. Things got a little tough and tumbly. And John Mark said, I don't know. I quit the ministry. I'm going back home to mom. And so he packed up and he left. He quit. There was a big contention between Paul and Barnabas over the fact that John Mark quit. And Paul said, I don't want that young man with me. He is unprofitable for me concerning the ministry. Let him go. Let him go back home to mom. And Barnabas said, you know what? We we need to love that young man. I'd have been more of a Paul. Some have said Paul was really wrong in that rebuke. I don't think Paul was wrong. I think John Mark needed that heavy-duty rebuke. But he also needed a Barnabas, the son of consolation, to come along and encourage John Mark. And John Mark teams up then with Barnabas. And I love this. Wish we had time to look at these scriptures. At the end of Paul's life, he writes to Timothy, he said, Would you get John Mark and bring him to me? Because he is now profitable for me in the ministry. Amen? Here was a quitter. Turn tail 
and ran back home instead of being faithful to his calling. But I'm thankful John Mark put his past in the past. The Bible doesn't tell us when he repented of this or what he did, but he got back on course. And Paul said, this young man, he's now profitable for me. John Mark became a great disciple and became the author of the gospel of Mark. Aren't you glad John Mark got over his past? How about Peter? Say, what a loser. Denies the Lord. Curses. Decided after the death of Christ, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. This discipleship thing, I resign. I'm going back to fishing. You guys going to come with me? He drags a bunch of the disciples with him. And they go back to fishing. I want to tell you something. They didn't do very well. Fished all night but caught no fish. Fished all night but caught no fish. And then in the morning, they were ready to hang it up. They're close enough to shore. They can see a man on the shore with a fire going. And he says, Hey, have you caught any meat? No. We've toiled all night and we haven't even caught a minnow. I added. And Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. I'll tell you, what happens in the morning is that the fish leave the shallows and they go back out into the deep water. These were seasoned fishermen. What Jesus was saying made no sense. But they cast their net on the other side. So many fish the Bible actually says there was 153 fish in there. Peter dives in the water, says it's Jesus. Swims the short distance to shore. The rest of the disciples are pulling the fish up on shore. And the Lord looked at Peter and said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He asked him a second time. And the third time, Peter felt so bad because he had denied the Lord three times. But God, from that point on, took Peter, and Peter became a bold witness, opened the door to the Gentiles, the main speaker at the day of Pentecost, wrote two books of the Bible. God doesn't even give up on fishermen. Gives you hope, Brother Bussing. <laughs> Moses, a murderer, 
Yet he led God's people out of bondage, fourth million people. David became the greatest king and a man after God's own heart. Saul of Tarshish. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I did great injury to the cause of Christ. I was the chief of sinners. But God's mercy touched me. You know why God uses sinners to accomplish his purposes? It's all he has to work with. What do I want you to take away from this message today? I want you to take away from this message that all of your sin and failure and mistakes of the past don't have to ruin your present or your future. God still has a good plan and a good purpose for your life. You want to know why? Because he's not like us. He's full of grace. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reach forth to the things which are before. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.